Hello and welcome to episode 97 of the Unraveling Technology podcast with me, Joe Tonks, David Johnson as ever, and also Matthew Richards. You okay? All right, how's it going? Yeah, I'm good, good. We're just talking about fuel rods because exciting developments. We've had some plugs installed in the middle of the podcast room table. No longer will we have to trail cables across from the wall. Yeah, now we've got these little standalone units that are like, yeah, they're like something out of... um, I'll tell you what they remind me of. You know, the um, in Jurassic Park when he goes to steal the embryos. Yeah. And you like, you pull yeah. it up and all the dry ice is coming off and you get yourself a little T-Rex and a little, little raptor. Now, people are going to be disappointed when they see these things. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't got, quite got that smooth action that the... Uh, all the, the dry the, ice. Yeah. Just all the to, dinosaurs. <laughs> put some dry ice underneath it. It'll be fine. <laughs> yes. But that unfortunately means we probably can't ever move the table again now that it's all kind of stapled to the floor. But why would you want to? Why would you want to? Good weekend, guys. Yeah, it was all right. It was snowy, wasn't it? It was again. Yeah, I'm. You know, I'm fine with a bit of snow. I think. I think at this point, it would take an awful lot for us not to be able to get in. I think now we, as a as a city, are a, a, we've got our technique. Mm. You know, yeah. Well, regardless of what happens, I walk in. I live the closest, so even if everyone else in the company can't get in, I'm mm. the most likely to be able to get in, and it'll just be me, just be me answering calls. I don't yeah. like it. Let's not do that. <laughs> I remember um, there was a time before I lived where I live now. Uh, I lived up in in Lodge Moor, which was sort of higher up the hill than everybody else in the company. Yeah, and there was one day when it was I couldn't get the car out of the car park. It was just so so bad. I traipsed into work after catching a bus. I was in for about half 10, maybe 11. And everyone else was just sat at their desks like, where have you been? (laughs) No, you don't, you don't understand what I could even, I could have argued it apart from Jason who lives quite close. He'd set off at like some, I don't know, unreasonable hour because he's, he's an earlier riser than me. And that's saying something, but he'd managed to get into the office before the snow hit. So it just made me look like oh, I'm not going to make the effort. I'll just catch a catch a bus. Nobody op- nobody chooses to catch a bus, surely. Oh, mm. for the novelty Ugh. every now and then. If you it's want like... novelty, Super Tram. Oh, yeah. Have they got some new trams out now? They do. I don't know what's. I don't think I've been in one of them. Um, the what? They look kind of nice. The main thing that I noticed about them was that they don't have the bumpers on so that people can't, you know, sit on the bumper and hold on to the windscreen wiper <laughs> and ride on the back of the tram. Did anyone ever do that? Yes. Did they really? Yes. I never saw that. I've, I've, I've not seen it. I've heard secondhand reports of people like driving their cars and watching some youth or other. Mm. Well, pitching the, a ride on the back of a tram. Don't you, do it. It's dangerous. Yeah. It's very dangerous. See, everyone everyone sees Bob Hoskins do it in yeah. Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is my one point of reference for that happening. That and the bit where he jumps on the back of the subway train in um, whatever Bond film it is. Because uh, they're no, all kind Skyfall, of the same. Skyfall when he's chasing Javier Bardem. And I think How he jumps on the back. you remember this? They're so like interchangeable. Well, the Bond films? Yeah. I don't know. Just... At one point, there's Sean Connery and. No, now there's not. (laughs) I'm sure I could be equally reductive about something that you like. I just, I don't know. What do you like? Yeah. Nothing. Leave my stuff alone. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah. Well, I never really understood the, I mean, running to catch it. Well, I won't get into it anyway. Anyway, yes, we're here. It's episode 97. Um, 
Not long to go until mm. I'm off to to Japan. I thought you were going to say until the big 100. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I tell you what, if it's very in much the same way as a Windows loading bar, <laughs> it feels like we've raced up to 80 or 90. And it, consistently, every episode that we've done recently, I've thought, oh, it's uh, episode 90. Oh no, it's 97. It's always been one less than I think. <laughs> Either that or there's something funny going on with the indexing and we are constantly doing episode 97 or 96. <laughs> I Joe, don't know. Joe, what's going to happen if you go to Japan? Mm-hmm. Which with time, the weather, at this rate, who knows? Continue. <laughs> in time with the recording of episode 100. Oh, man. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, for that to happen, there'd have to be another episode this week, an episode next week, and an episode the week after, I think, now. So, Yeah. Oh hey, I, you know what? I'm, I'm going to throw down the gauntlet if we can, if you can get to episode 100, an episode a week, <laughs> an yeah. episode a day to celebrate the hundredth episode. I really enjoyed being able to, you know, listen to the the the, the podcast that I didn't host back that one time. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I was gardening. I was I was mowing the mowing the garden, listening to that podcast. It was good. It passed the time. Kids spent a whole lot of time doing. Uh, painting the dining room yesterday and i measured the amount of time it took with a three-hour podcast i was listening to still wasn't done it takes forever yeah you know when some bits of the world just drink up paint yeah you you finish finish it and then go yeah i've got to start that whole thing again yeah i don't i don't know what's going on behind that fireplace but whatever it is it is eating paint i'm just throwing (laughs) buckets at it it's, (laughs) it's just absorbing it but I thought I'd get that bit of DIY out of the way before we went abroad, you know. So, yeah. so when seems, I come back, like it's a good idea. So it's not so much of a daunting task when we get back. Yeah. Anywho, our oh. news may be uh, a little bit uh, um, out of date, uh, but uh, this is about the third time we've <laughs> rescheduled recording this podcast. Luckily, there's not been a whole lot going on. Uh, yeah. Apart from uh, David, you mentioned before we got in here that the Internet Archive is making waves when it comes to. Um, archiving old games and stuff so they've already got loads of stuff up there like dos games and things that you can just play online Mm. um don't have to download an emulator or anything it's all done in browser um so yeah there's loads of old dos games and stuff and i think there might be a few arcade machines they've definitely done some work with the main project the multiple arcade machine emulation project Mm. um but yeah i saw on twitter today that they have now uploaded a few of the sort of handheld electronic games like the sort of tiger electronics and those kind of things the the sort of very cheap plastic things that you would usually you know, like a left and right button and one button to press yeah lcd like that. screens that kind of thing um yeah what was yeah. the deal with that technology was it like because in my head it's kind of like e-ink in a way in that you've got well, they um, so the screen itself, you'll have like while you're playing the game, your character will be like moving around, and you'll be able to fire shots, and you'll get enemies popping up here and there and whatever. But if you actually like hit the reset button and on the electronics, it will light up the whole LCD screen at the same time, and it's the very sort of intricate patchwork of because you can't have graphics that overlap unless mm. you like reusing parts of them. So you got this intricate, intricate. That's it, intricate. Yeah, intricate frame rate. <laughs> um framework of these little 
like little pictures that mm. are all lit up in solid black or are not there. And you just kind of light up these different parts of the picture to simulate your character moving across the screen or, yeah. you know, these bad guys popping up or this missile that's coming towards you or whatever the game is. Yeah, any possible sprite needed is like represented on there yeah i think in a the, really weird way the classic yeah. example is like game and watch isn't it so like bleep bloop move your hands to like catch the balls that kind of thing yeah so there'll be like there'll be a ball in however many different positions and it will just light up the one where the ball is and then cycle through them at different speeds mm. and stuff it's kind of basically how fancy neon signs work yeah you know mm. you got some like a text and like Dipping his yeah. hat, that kind of thing. It's like hat on head, hat halfway down, hat down. And Except just... you can't have any overlap and it's all in black and or not black. <laughs> yeah, they were real artists to be able to get mm. that working. But yeah, they've... Um, so apparently, like, I'd not heard of this, but I guess some people from MAME had been trying to emulate these. So they're not recreations because it would be f- presumably fairly easy to sort of... Yeah figure out you know yeah. roughly the timings of things and just kind of you know mock up uh, some graphics that match up to what the screen would look like and kind of program the game from scratch these are actually they kind of take the actual physical plastic thing apart um are kind of reverse engineering the lcd and tracing the lines back from the lcd to the chips and trying to figure out what is it that makes each particular part of the lcd light up and what does that correspond to in terms of a graphic and so on just kind of building these asking the big like, questions emulated. what is a graphic when it comes down <laughs> to it it's so, yeah um, yeah I, I suppose mame at a certain point they've got less work to do nowadays yeah you know all the all the old old arcade classics have all been emulated and all the newer stuff you're not even going to try yeah you know um, so you're not going to be uh, emulating on our house of the dead six or whatever it is that i imagine the impression i get is that these things can always get better and there's always something that's slightly off that you or i would just never notice but we talked the, the other people day, who are working on this we talked the other week about um, billy mitchell and how he was caught with his his Donkey Kong mm-hmm. world record was fake because of the way that the screen draws at the start of each level. Yeah. So, yeah, I suppose there's always going to be a nitpick that you can make. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, it's, I don't know, it just seems kind of cool that somebody's trying to preserve these kind of this era of <laughs> cheap plastic handheld LCD games that, I mean, I had a couple of them. I'm yeah. I'm sure you did. I had a Beauty and the Beast one that I found at a car boot sale. <laughs> Do we I know had... where licensing comes in, though? Because that's why you can't, preserve more recent games <coughs> especially anything with a anything on a known console it becomes very tricky to preserve any of this because you go oh well technically they still own it yeah the sort of the work around the type gray area of this tends to be oh well if you own an actual copy of it then you can have like mm. the sort of the legal way of say um emulating an arcade machine would be to buy the circuit board of the arcade machine take the chips off it and dump the code um yourself and make your own arcade rom that you can then play in mame and the idea is that people will have bought these things um dumped them figured out how to make the main arcade program emulate it properly and then you can download that program but in order to actually play the game you need you supposed to go out and buy your own copy of the circuit board and dump it yourself which 
probably 99% of the people who use it don't. They just download a copy that somebody's already done. Yeah, and I think it's kind of the unspoken rule that that's, that's what everyone does for yeah. the most part. I mean, it's, people refer to it as a gray area. It's probably not a gray area. It's probably pl- pretty black and white that mm-hmm. that's illegal, but it's down to whether anybody actually seems to care. Yeah. And there is an argument to be made about preservation of these things because, you know, the physical components don't last forever. At some point, if nobody was, you know, nobody is making these arcade boards anymore. Nobody's making the Tiger handheld electronic game from, you know, your childhood anymore. Mm. At some point, they're all going to break or stop working and then nobody will be able to play it. Whereas if somebody figures out how to emulate it and make it work in, you know, by you downloading a ROM and a a program or just by going to the Internet Archive website and playing it on there. Yeah. That's, you know, history being preserved there. Preserve it. Thank goodness for the people who take stuff apart. I should... uh... Oh, I should tell that Matt that 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 drive shocking thing because I thought that was quite good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's from it's from. Um, I, I was listening to another podcast, Giant Bombcast, is mm-hmm. one I listen to quite frequently, and they had quite an uh, interesting thing that I thought was. I was telling David about. I'll tell you as well because I thought it was quite interesting. So uh, you know how you can get drives, external USB drives. Yep. Yeah. Well. I don't know if there's a bit of a shortage at the moment. I know buying computer components today is weird. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's, a lot of stuff's quite expensive. Well, graphics cards because of crypto mining and all that. It's all a little bit more expensive than it probably should be. Well, anyway, uh, apparently there's, there's uh, a community of people out there who have figured out if you buy certain external drives... So if you buy a Western Digital right. five terabyte external drive, these are the sort of things you plug in on USB and so on. Yeah, for for backing up the data from your computer. Sure. If you actually break them down and take the drive out of them, then you'll get a decent quality drive. So like a Western Digital Red drive, yeah, which would cost more if you were to buy the drive separately, right? Okay. And so uh, what they've started doing now is uh, some manufacturers, Western Digital, case in point, they started creating these drives that work in caddies. Mm-hmm. But if you were to take, if you were to do that, if you were to break open the enclosure and take the drive to plug into your computer separately, the pins are arranged in such a way that they will be, uh, that they will be grounded. They're like ground pins wow. so that the disk drive won't even spin up. Okay. Uh, that you couldn't take it out, put it in another PC, and off you go. Well, that's annoying. Yeah, but <laughs> you can get around it <laughs> if you just put like a little bit of sellotape on those <laughs> pins and then plug it in, and it'll work just fine. Or if or, or if you use an old fashioned, so you know those, uh, you know Molex, the old sort of um, uh, power supply adapter, it's like white and it's got the four big holes in it. Yep. If you get one of those to SATA converter, something about that process also works. I guess it Good just doesn't know. pass the ground pins or something. Yeah. I just thought that, that was interesting. Yeah. Maybe, you know, because I'm dealing with drives all the time. But I'd like to think anyone that listens to this podcast yeah, yeah. to get a little kick out of that. And if they're <laughs> sat there thinking, why is this drive not working? Hey, it might have helped someone out today. So we've got a, our first uh, topic today. Um, big, um, big news on, on the video game scene, or maybe not. Maybe it's mm. a bit old hat at this point. So... Uh, in light of the uh, the uh, Florida uh, school shooting a couple of weeks ago, um, 
President Trump has he called a meeting with some gaming executives and parent groups, members of Congress, to discuss that uh, age-old thing of uh, violence in video games, which um, is very much, in my mind, a very 90s, early noughties yeah. thing. I kind of thought that we were past this. Um, the, there was, it was, so this meeting was hastily thrown together, and I think a lot of people are seeing it more as a distraction yeah. away from... Um, the real uh, conversation to be had, which is about gun ownership and access to uh, guns, access to guns uh, in the U.S. Um, you could argue that it was a successful change of narr- uh, narrative because there was an awful lot of stuff online about it. There was leading up to it, and then once it happened and it led to absolutely nothing, it's all gone a bit quiet. So that's yeah. Mm. My kind of question was: Is he is he either trying to shove blame on video games? Mm-hmm. Um, or genuinely thinks that video games are causing the problem and trying to address it, or is he just kind of doing a press conference because he has to be seen to be doing something? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure we'll there's call a press conference. The newspapers can write about it, and then we'll move on with our lives. That kind of yeah, no actual discernible change. No, which is fine. Except America has what two or three horrible mass shootings a year. Like, is he gonna? Get progressively it's, more it's intense. Way, way more than two or three. Well, like, yeah, true. Like, okay. I mean, I can like, Google this, but it's ooh. the the statistic of how many mass shootings there have been this year, yeah. considering we are in, you know, March, is Fair. unbelievable. Isn't there something about the amount of people who are killed, uh, like stuff misreported because they're not reporting the right numbers? So a lot of that information is based on. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to get too morbid with it, but I'm pretty sure statistically there is a technicality on what counts as a mass shooting. Right. But um. uh, yeah, this. Uh, but I mean, this has happened previously um, a lot with video games, but with things like rock music, violent films, television. There's always kind of that false equivalency that whatever's in vogue or whatever the kids are down with at that particular yeah. point is the thing, is the new moral panic. And I, I don't know, I wonder if to an extent there's just not been something that's come along and replaced video games, so they continue to roll it out as the as the big bad. Yeah, well, I think only in the last, you know, decade or so that video games aren't so niche anymore. Like, people who grew up with video games are still playing them, so more of an adult player base is... Yeah. There's more of an adult population playing video games, so it's not as ridiculous anymore you can't just go oh kids are playing video games your kids are violent nowadays back Mm. in my day oh we didn't play video games yeah or if we were playing video games back in the day it was mario super mario brothers and now yeah it's kind of evolved with much the same way that they that people always say that the toy story trilogy was so good (laughs) because you kind of grew up with the characters and it kind of hits all those phases do you feel you've grown up with mario well, I don't know. I feel like I've kind of left Mario behind, to be honest, because as, yeah. a, as a character who's not really evolved much, he's still jumping on Gumbas and going, wahoo, whereas me, he I don't do that He plays tennis so every now and again. He does, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I'm still waiting for the gritty, you know, Mario reboots. Just called know. Mario, no super. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just went, think... went with the weight of the world on his shoulders <laughs> when he's gone back to plumbing. I think the thing is, though, there is... I mean, on the face of it, you could make the argument that the difference between video games and, say, movies, television, rock music, 
whatever is the interactiveness you could so it's not you're not passively sat there watching you know bruce willis gun down you know german terrorists eastern european terrorists mm. um you are playing as bruce willis shooting down eastern european terrorists mm. or you know that kind of i think that can work the other way as well like you remember when um grand theft auto uh, uh grand theft auto 5 first came out and it was on uh what, 360 playstation 3 oh, it was mm-hmm. all like third person you like behind the camera like in front of the camera was your character you played as you went off and did stuff and then when they brought it to xbox one and playstation 4 they added a first person mode so you were like the camera was your eyes and you mm-hmm. could just see your hands going around killing people like that was awful like that added a scent that added for me that added a layer of like um like self-imposed restrictions on like I would no longer just go around like, oh, as a person, I'll just you know punch him and see what happens. Like now, I was like, ah, oh, I kind of feel bad. Like, oh, it's really? so it's you so Im- it's so em- immersive. I was like, oh, I just want to kind of get in a car and go to my job, or like I just want to <laughs> get at the traffic yeah, light. Like is there like I was more inclined to play pool and tennis or whatever the mini games were were mm. a bit terrible than go. Oh, I'm just going to cause a bit of mayhem because it was like ah, oh, it's now too real. I don't like it anymore. So, yeah, I, I can see that argument um, and the sort of ever-progressing realism. Like, um, you you look at the sort of games that cause the initial moral panics and so on. There, there's a, like, famous case that led to a sort of formal body of um, American reviewers for... Uh, rating video games back in i think it would have been the 90s i guess Mm. and they were talking about things like night trap um which is a it's a video game that is essentially you cutting between cameras um watching a bunch of movies play out and pressing a button sometimes to kind of you know these people are having a sleepover at a house and you've got to stop these intruders getting into the house and yeah and the other one was mortal Kombat was the yes. big named one which was a bit more of on the scale of reasonable in that it was quite violent but if you look at it as it you know as looking at it from 2018's perspective there's Ooh. it's like pixely sprites and like sort of violence. yeah yes there's blood flying everywhere but it's not like real I wonder realistic so, blood or I wonder how much of that was because uh, Mortal Kombat specifically they they rotoscoped didn't they or they, they it was yeah they so it was of people yeah so it was kind of sort of photos of people kind um of, yeah kind of <laughs> in a sort of very <laughs> low strange. resolution reduced color yeah and yeah they would do things like punch people's heads off or impale people on spikes and so on and Yes, that was violent, but it wasn't realistic. Mm. Definitely not by our kind of mm. context today. So I think we can, um, we're able, or everyone should be able to discern between what's happening on screen and what's happening in. I reality. think for Mortal Kombat, but the point I'm making is that the direction that games are going is they just keep pushing the envelope. Mm-hmm. And, That's you know, true. if you look at, so one of the kind of, sub stories that came out about this was that um the white house uploaded a video which had been 
displayed to the people at this meeting and it was uh, something oh, yeah. like a minute and 20 seconds violence in video games. violence in video games and it was just kind of completely out of context yeah like couple of second long clips of various video games things like mm-hmm. sniper elite fallout 4 um yeah, modern warfare 2 on there i'm sure they had that they oh, had yeah, yeah they had no had russian thought, yeah yeah but i mean that's that's kind of one of the things that video games are doing is they are trying to push how much violence they can get away with and simultaneously trying to push the graphical fidelity of things so the the kind of the games that you get out now i can i can see where the argument is coming from that like i don't think that games of that kind of fidelity and that kind of graphical violence necessarily should be a good thing that is out there and mass produced and I mean, I th- available the thing that you don't get from a, a minute and 20 video uh you know on the white house on the official white house youtube uh is um is context yeah so i think you could show footage from you know from the, the no russian mission and call of duty which is firing into a crowd at an airport but yeah Thing in taken in context, it's meant to be, you know, repulsive. It's meant to make you think, "Oh, wow, this is." It also yeah. doesn't for yeah. So for context, if you don't know the no Russian thing, it came out years ago and was mm. big in the news at that point, and kind of potentially arguably that the whole reason the mission was in there was so that they would make waves in the news. Yeah. Um, it's I think a, it was based on the first one, wasn't it? The first game had a moment that was kind of like a shock and awe. Like nuclear blast. It, it had a number of things. One of which was, um, oh, yeah, the, the main thing was like shooting from a uh, plane mm. with sort of like black and white infrared footage, kind of shooting at all these little blobs on the ground that was basically mimicking news footage and stuff. But anyway, kind of like the detachment of it. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the no the no Russian thing is a mission where you are, I think you've infiltrated this this Russian group and you're in this mm. airport and um, basically it gets to the point where you and these people that you're trying to pretend to, you know, be with um, come up to a bunch of civilians in an airport and open fire. And you're kind of encouraged to, because you're supposed to be blending in and playing along with them, mm. you have a gun in your hand and you totally have the option of opening fire on all of these unarmed, innocent civilians in an airport. Mm. And you don't have to, and the game doesn't actually punish you if you don't, um, but it's kind of implied that that's mm. what you should be doing. Yeah, um, and it does give you the option as well. Prior to starting the campaign, it says there are scenes, you know, which yeah. which we can skip if you'd like, which will probably be distressing. But I feel like the other argument you could make there is that they're kind of courting that controversy. Yeah. There. So uh, I remember the lead up to. Um, manhunt 2 coming out which was another mm. a violent game i think that was up until this very month i think was the last game to be banned in the uk really yeah um that's now there was a game released or is, is coming out called uh what's it called omega labyrinth z which is like an anime game which has been banned in the uk i think that's more of a nudity thing um but yeah they they, they kind of wrote large like oh you remember manhunt well manhunt 2 and yeah and uh they really leaned into it and uh yeah in the end that got uh banned but that was a you're talking about you know how you said 
if you kind of put yourself in the position of the character, it lends it an extra fidelity. Yeah. Well, this was a this was a Wii game, so anyone familiar with the Wii knows that it was a uh, it's very gesture based. A lot of the games. motion controls, motion Ooh. controls. So yeah, there was an element of you know mimic these executions to carry them out in the game, which probably didn't help. Yeah, probably didn't. And so yeah, I mean, I. It's a it's a tricky one because I'm not sure that I necessarily want to be arguing for censorship and mm. saying that there should be somebody you know some rules on high about what you can and can't do. I just I don't I, I just feel uneasy about the direction that some video game yeah, companies are taking. I think it's not necessarily just because ooh, people are trying to push the boat. But I think as video games as a medium get bigger, the boundaries of what that encompasses gets bigger as well so yeah on all sides it's getting pushed out so you've got some people who are pushing you know super violent oh we need to be last year these people did this we need to be we need our game needs to stand out we need to do that better yeah but i don't think it's just violence i think no. just as in the same way films now encompass so much and there are some terrible awful films that you never want to watch the the video games will eventually get to the same point but just yeah. because as a medium, there's as an industry, they're getting bigger and bigger. They're going to encompass more stuff. You yeah. also have different people bringing stuff out as well. So, yeah. you know, with Grand Theft Auto, that's a team, that's a game produced by a team of, I don't know, a hundred people or mm -hmm. whatever. Speaking of which, did you ever see that, um, that weird kind of docu-drama based on the, the, the houses and creating GTA? BBC thing, wasn't it? Yeah. And it was... No, I didn't. Who was it? Was it... Was it Elijah Wood? I think it was Elijah Wood played Sam Hauser or something like that. And then you had Dennis Quaid playing Jack Thompson, the <laughs> the lawyer who, you know, is basically incites or leads this this campaign of moral panic against this video game. It's a very, very weird thing to have been produced. Mm. Yeah. It's uh yeah, um, I mean, but yeah, so small teams, um, you can have people doing whatever, and especially with markets like Steam, an online mm -hmm. platform where you can upload stuff. So um, it's probably a couple of years now, but do you remember that game, Hatred? That was, yes. like, that was like the two edgy, like, oh, look at this, look how grim and dark and violent it is. But that was, you know, it, it came out, minor controversy, and then it just kind of faded into the background because it wasn't an especially good game. And yeah, it was, exactly. Mm -hmm. Like... I don't think violence in itself sells a game. No. Like you have to have a a good game underneath. Mm. Yeah. And I guess the core point as well is we've slightly drifted off <laughs> is that is the question is whether video game violence actually causes real world violence, which studies say no, basically. Yeah. There was a study uh, from January that the uni University of York did where they said, and this was taken from the University of York website, in a series of experiments with more than 3,000 participants, the team demonstrated that video game concepts do not prime players to behave in certain ways, and that increasing the realism of violent video games does not necessarily increase aggression in game players. However, the way that they, they metered this was by using something called the Anderson Word Fragment Completion Test, which uh, I had a look at online. So that is, they, they get them to play games and then they present them with a list of, I think it's something like 95 words, mm -hmm. but with some letters missing. So kind of like, you know, you've walked in halfway through a game of Hangman. Right, basically. okay. And uh, you have to complete the word and the words are ambiguous in the way that they can be completed. So there could be a couple of answers. Yeah. And it's, the, you know, is it 
do the options you choose lean more towards aggression or do you think of more aggressive things so for instance one of them is s-p-e-a blank and the options there you could have speak or you could have spear and spear would be counted as a violent or an aggressive answer right but then some of them are quite hard i think <laughs> like uh, for instance uh, h blank t-r blank d and my my immediate thought looking at it is well, hatred yeah, yeah. And then the only other valid response was hot rod. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> oh, what was thinking of that? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe so. not a perfect test. Okay, here's one. Uh, Matt. Yes. A blank U-S-E. A blank U-S-E. It's got, you know, no do, do you want to see it written down? Yeah. There you go. So it's on my screen there. First thing that comes to your head. Yeah, the first thing that comes to my head. Yeah, okay. Is... <laughs> uh, well, I can't think of a good version. Like, you've got... Abuse. So you're thinking yeah, of abuse. Abuse, yeah. yeah I'm abuse. trying to think of something that fits that. It's hard, isn't it? Um, Amuse. Amuse. Uh, amuse. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's weird, isn't it, that your mind... Is... So I don't know, based on that, whether this York test is particularly indicative of anything. Yeah. Yeah. Although apparently it has been used in quite a few examples but um there are there are quite a few studies out there mm, that have yeah. looked into this i think so you could just argue that people who are more violent personalities may drift towards violent video games it might just be a natural mm. uh, correlation um i do wonder i think that this is probably a conversation we're going to see crop up again not necessarily due to realism but with things like vr yeah coming in yeah so being able to uh so i suppose it combines it's like the worst of both worlds you've got this 360 peripheral vision headset but also you can mimic actions with your hands yeah so um like i've got a playstation vr and i was playing a game the other day and it's got a scene where you're sat in uh you're sat in a bar and there's a cigar on the table and you with your control you can pick the cigar up and bring it to your mouth and because of the built-in microphone you can like mimic blowing smoke out and all this and you think oh this is really <laughs> it's cool <laughs> so, but yeah it's, it's not cool to smoke <laughs> no it's not a okay. disclaimer we do not endorse <laughs> cigarette usage but uh yeah vaping on the other hand oh yeah mad about that so yeah i mean it's just a hop skip jump to them you know mimicking other actions stabbing people shooting mm-hmm. people sure. yeah so it remains I to mean, be seen really even if video games did cause violence it's a lot harder to be violent with a gun if you don't have a gun. Hmm. Yeah, like I think they're, they're not yes. addressing. <laughs> yeah. It's not they're addressing the wrong thing. Yeah, I mean the. I would I would accept if if studies came out like actual independent studies came out and said Period. that yes, this is there is a correlation here, then fine, I'd accept that. And but I think. I don't see how this is the major contributor towards all yeah. of the school shootings and violence in America. I mean, one of the points that um, I don't remember which uh, organization it was that uh, was going to meet. Um, so it's somebody who represents the video game ESA, industry. ESA, was it? ESA, yeah. Mm. Um, one of the points they made is, you know, these games get sold across the world and America is the country that has this problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but the other thing is as well, um, 
this was just something that I saw online and I thought, oh, that's, that's a good point. Is uh, like, for instance, if there was a game, you, you could have a game about farming, mm. a zero sum game about farming. But if you, if you, if you introduce that zero sum kind of competitive element, people could get, you know, could get violent or aggressive over that. Yeah. Even if the subject matter is completely nothing to do with it. Yeah. I mean, thinking about it, the thing that makes me, the, the kind of games that make me want to throw my controller um, are the ones that are difficult mm. or unfair. Like it doesn't really have anything to do with the subject matter. Mm. Like if you, um, you know, I don't know, playing Grand Theft Auto and just kind of like driving a car down a, a street mowing down pedestrians, then um, that might be kind of like just cathartic, just sat there not really thinking about anything, just, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that. Whereas if you're trying to do a really hard platform puzzle game, yeah. puzzle game, something like that, that you're just not getting or you can't quite make the moves work, then that's the thing that kind of, historically has made me angry yeah assassin's that's... creed's the one for me because when they jump off like like i can see it in my head they're jumping where i don't want them to and i've just oh. wasted 10 minutes <laughs> i was i was playing assassin's creed 4 yesterday and they have i think they've re it's a while since i've played the previous games i think they've changed the button that lets you go into eagle vision in right. assassin's creed 4 so you have to click in the left stick so you have to push the left stick down and I kept doing this thing where I would click in the left stick, but slightly move the stick one mm. side or the other. So I'd be sat in cover, like hiding in a hay bale or something. And then I'd click in the stick just to mark the the nearby guard that's standing right in front of me um, Okay. on mm. the map. Uh, but at the same time, would accidentally nudge the joystick and exit and jump out of the hiding spot right in front of them, at which point everybody had set off the alarm and... Fling his controller across the room. No. Yeah. Very angry David. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it could be, you know, completely unrelated to uh, violence. I mean, it's interesting. I think a lot of time violence is equated with gore as well. So one of the things that seemed like <laughs> this was on BBC News the other day. Some parents have contacted BBC Five Live to say they are concerned about the amount of time their children are spending playing the video game Fortnite. And in that, so Fortnite is it's like an arena-based shooter yeah. game. A very confusing one to watch, as you showed me the other day. Yeah, very confusing. No idea what's going on yeah. in that game. The kids know what's going on. <laughs> that's the main thing. But yeah, I mean, that's a, you know, arena-based kind of uh, last man standing yeah. shooty game. But I don't, violence isn't the subject of it here. Mm. It's more It's very cartoony in, yeah. in its presentation. But yeah. But yeah, so. I think that falls more into the sort of addictiveness of... Mm. Mm. it the kind of the world of warcraft type you know but, people but, sat there playing round after round after round but that's the other thing about this so that that sentence kind of annoyed me because i thought well okay well if they're paying, playing a lot of fortnite then stop them playing fortnite there's a bit an element of parental responsibility yeah. here and going and saying we should limit all violence in video games because children are accessing games that you know, the ER ESRB have rated and said it's not appropriate for them. <laughs> I don't see why that's... A pro I mean, it's not a problem with film. No one's saying, oh, we should ban violent movies because this mm. kid watched Saw. So that's like that's the other thing that I've... Those, um, I know you watch the YouTube channel Super Bunny Hop, mm. um, which I would recommend. It's a good, good video game um, kind of journalism type channel. Um, 
he did a video about rating systems that he released yeah, a, a week or so ago. Yeah. And yeah, the there isn't actually, I think from what he said in the video, any kind of, you're not actually breaking the law if you sell in America, sell a 18 rated game. I mean, it'd be an M rated game or an AO rated game for adults only, which nobody yeah, actually sells. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's entirely guidance and you don't break the law and it's entirely down to store policies, whether or not they will sell a kid that asks for a game. And when games are available online, um, there isn't really any kind of check. There's, it's quite easy to bypass that. Wasn't it the same for us though? Until we moved on, is it, don't we use the, is it the BBFC? So we, I can't remember what in we the did. UK, we went through a, a few kind of variations. So we've got the, um, is it the ES, ESRB, mm. the European yeah. Software Rating Board? Yeah, mm-hmm. sounds right. Um, for a little while, we were kind of half using that and half using the BBFC, the same, yeah. the British uh, film one, the same British same people casting and film certification something like that something the like same that. same people that do the film yeah. ratings yeah. and it was it's a weird split like if it was below a certain value at getting the srb rating if it was higher you would see 15 and 18 marks that matched the film style on games now i think we've completely transitioned over to the esrb but yeah it I is don't, i don't know because I was right, case in point, and I don't. I'm pretty sure I remember someone saying to me a few Sorry. years ago that there is no imperative for someone to get their game rated by the BBFC. Oh, uh, so but, we but, don't. I don't think you have to get it rated by the BBFC. Um, I don't think the BBFC are involved anymore, but the ESRB are now the ratings board for the UK and most of Europe. But for instance, the other. The other month, I was playing um, <clears throat> L.A. Noir remastered mm-hmm. for the Nintendo Switch. That came out a month or two ago. That has an 18 certificate on the cartridge bigger than the game's title, mostly because it's a very, very small cartridge. <laughs> but is that you know does that fly contrary to what you're saying, or do you think that's something to do with the fact that it's a remaster of an already? Is it like a BBFC style? Yeah, yeah, like oh, all the okay. games I've seen. I would have thought it'd be, I thought it was either way around, to be honest. I haven't looked into it. Just based oh. on the, the the symbols used, I thought. Oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> maybe maybe he was wrong in his video. But oh, um, the the point being that a few years ago, probably several years ago now, um, it became illegal in the UK to sell games to underage customers. And that's the ESRB. That yeah, basically any any game that's got a rating that's higher than. Um, the kid that's trying to buy it mm. you can you get fines and maybe prison time if you sell uh those games so you could introduce something like that into american stores yeah. or into american law and yeah there is the kind of parental you know parents should be monitoring what their kids are doing mm. I say, as a non-parent. <laughs> um, yeah. But it is sense. hard, especially if they're like playing stuff at other people's houses or, um, you know, have got access to Steam and can buy games themselves, that kind of thing. Then yeah, it's only going to get tougher as well, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I suppose it's, it's, it's it'd be hard in the digital age to parents. Uh, uh, so I had a bit of a Google. 
uh, as of 2012, uh, the rating of video games in the UK shifted to the Video Game Standards Council Rating Board, the VSC, applying the PEGI system. Oh, we had PEGI. So that's the pan... Europe. European game something. Yeah, it doesn't tell me what it means. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll if, I, if I rewatch that uh, Super Bunny Hop video, I yeah. probably know. <laughs> yeah, either way, confusing. But Pan-European game information. Yeah. yeah. Either way, we're legally... You, you have to be 18 to buy an 18-rated game. Yeah. yeah. That's essentially the gist of it. And we're all way order, so we can do whatever we want. So, there you go. Right, I'm going to wrap up. Uh, we do have a couple more topics, but we're running out of time. Um, just wanna, I wanted to lay a Kickstarter on you. It's not really tech-related, but I just saw this and thought, wow, wow. Kickstarter is a technical platform. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Okay, so you can tell me how technical this is. <laughs> right, uh, I'm just, just loading the Kickstarter page. Bear with me a second. It's just going a bit slowly. But I can tell you that the uh, it, the Kickstarter is called, in quotation marks, Meme restaurant, open parenthesis, cancelled, close parenthesis. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a uh, this is um, by a creator called uh, called uh, I think Three Musketeers. I think they're called, and they want to create a meme uh, internet themed restaurant for all ages. I'll, I'll just read you a bit from the from the from the uh, the preamble here. So, okay. when Sean and his siblings were driving home from a day out, he desi- he decided to voice out loud, "What if there was a restaurant that had food based on memes?" The idea was born. <laughs> Over the course of the next few months, we worked hard at forming the idea, fleshing out the details. What would it look like? What kind of food? What's the demographic? Okay. Right, $350,000 that they need to get this venture off the ground. Okay. And I quote, so it then goes through and explains, oh, here's what we'd need so that we could pay pay the staff, uh, branding, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, to, to which they say, we bet we know your next question. What experience do you have with restaurants? Us personally? None. But who says we can't learn? <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of ambition I like. Sure. Yeah, it's interesting as well, like a lot of the memes that they've got on there. So they have a... Uh, David, have you found the page? I have found the page. I'm the, watching the video. The meme menu is quite interesting. Uh, so um, Lord of the Onion Rings. One does not simply just order one. Uh, the Rick Roll. Never gonna desert you. As in dessert. Yeah. It's red velvet cheesecake. Uh, chocolate Rain. That's a chocolate lava cake. Okay. There are others... Uh, it's it's um yeah it's really really is something else um one thing about it that i think uh was interesting so if i if i learned nothing else from it i learned this did you know that the uh the troll face that classic meme mm. is copyrighted no is it yeah so there was a game that was released on the uh, i think it was the nintendo switch eShop, so mm. their digital platform which was called was it meme runner something like that i don't know but it got taken down because the guy who owns the patent for the troll face got in touch with them and said hey you have to take this down i made the troll face wow yeah so that's it uh, there's a there's a couple of different pledge uh levels the lowest is five thousand dollars the lowest mm-hmm. they never intended to get this off the ground 
No. Maybe not. <laughs> Everything I'm reading is, uh, I mean, I can't, apart from the line of over the next few months, we worked hard. Like, if that's true, <laughs> then uh, it doesn't quite show. Um, you don't know what's happening behind the scenes, David. If you pay, pledge $5,000, you get a limited edition backer certificate, the meme rus- restaurant menu create, signed by the creators, and free food for your entire family for 20 visits. That might be the loophole that kills them there. Because I have a very big family. That's yeah. true. Yeah, very entire big, big The entire family is quite a broad... But, but if that's not quite enough, they also have the meme master level, which is $10,000. You can be there on opening day. They say we are hoping to have a red carpet opening with some of the biggest meme stars. Okay. Like that gopher or whatever that goes, dan, dan, dan. Star Wars kid. No. Oh, well, yeah, I want... Star Wars kid. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's not a gopher. No. No, I don't think he. This, I think he wants to leave all that behind him. To be honest, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's cancelled. I think they got it at sixty. Sixty dollars is it? Uh, six. Six dollars and sixty-six cents. Read into that what you will. Three backers. <laughs> That's it. Two dollars and twenty-two cents each. The maths works. Wow. Right. Okay. Well, let's wrap this up anyway. Um, thank you very much for listening, everyone, to our insightful conversation about video game violence. Uh, if you want to send us an email, then send one to podcast at unravelingtechnology.co.uk, or you can find us on Twitter at Unraveling Tech. And if you haven't already, please visit us and um, leave a little review on the podcast. Have you left a review yet, Matt? Yeah, sure. Leave another one. Okay. We'd really <laughs> appreciate it. And uh, then, I'm of only course, going to review the ones I'm in, though. Right, okay. that guy's that's just, still a fair few. <laughs> yeah, true. Five or six by now, uh, and uh, yeah, uh, visit the uh, our blog, which is uh, unraveling technology, where Adam, who unfortunately could not be here today, has arranged a smorgasbord of articles for you, all tech related, to help you out. But yeah, I think that'll do us. So um, uh, hard to say if there'll be a podcast next week or the next couple of weeks. It's solely in David's hands. You say next week. We're on Monday of this week. <laughs> I don't even know which week we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, true. We've we've got a bit out of whack. Uh, hey, we maybe we'll have one later this week. Who knows? Maybe it'll be a slow week. But uh, yeah, anyway, from me, Joe, David, and our special guest today, Matt, thank you for listening, and goodbye. Bye. See ya.